I V M. Welcome to today's episode of This Round is on Me. A few days ago, we celebrated 10 years of the table. And as congratulatory messages kept pouring in, if I'm completely honest, it felt like just another day to me. That was until we had a meeting with our entire team and they started sharing stories of how this restaurant had impacted each of their lives. I think that's when it began sinking in that we had created something special and it was something to be really proud of. But it did get me wondering what these milestones really mean. And I instantly messaged someone whom I look up to dearly. Someone who's been in the industry almost as long as I've been alive. I'm just kidding. I'm older than I look. <laughs> the OG restauranter who is this year going to celebrate 20 years of the iconic brand Olive. Mr. A.D. Singh, welcome to the show. My pleasure, Gauri. You know what a fan I am of both table and of you. And the Thank tremendous you. job you've done. Thank you It's so much. It's one, one of our favorite places. And you know, we all, we've been there through the 10 years. Through your ups and downs, your food has always been very good. Thank and you. And hats off to you, Rob. Thank you so much. And, you know, I mean, you, since 1990, you know, you've been encouraging the growth of this entire standalone restaurant um, concept in India. And, you know, you've really given it direction, confidence, leadership. And, you know, three decades later, still going strong, 15 restaurant brands throughout the country, credited with many firsts. And, you know, you really exemplify, um, you know, what being a top restauranter is and that it's more than just a glam job, even though I know you're the party boy <laughs> of, of the restaurant uh, scene in it. <laughs> um, you know, A.D., uh, I have to tell you a really funny story. So the entire time that uh, Jay and I were dating in Uh, back in 2008, 2009, Olive in Mahalakshmi was our go-to. And we had, this oh, one, yeah, we had this one spot at the bar counter we always sat at. And I still remember the manager, Sachin. He was, I remember the bald Sachin, <laughs> um, you know, who then moved on to one of the other restaurants. And um, it was just really special for us. And, you know, it's 20 years of Olive this year, man. What, what an achievement. And it feels like our 10 years feel like nothing now. <laughs> I'm like, I can't even imagine um, hitting 20. So what does it feel like? And, you know, what does it mean to you? You know, Gauri, when, when we started Olive around that time, uh, the life expectancy of a restaurant was three years or less. And so, you know, sure enough, We're in our third year, numbers started falling. But knowing that we'd started a, at about just a little past two, we started working with the Italian Chamber of Commerce. And we put together really the best festival alliance with any country that India had seen as we turned three. And it was fantastic. Months long and the kind of activities that happened, their regions got involved. So it really went to a much better level than even I'd imagined. And that got our sales right back to where they'd been. And after that, pretty much we haven't looked back. But I think a lot of the reason also is that exactly like you, we're both very hands-on and very passionate about our restaurant. And we don't allow them to slip. We do our best. We keep working hard. And, uh, you know, as I, as I often say, There's really no substitute for that in our business. The minute we move on or lose interest or don't give it time, standards slip and customers know it like that. 
Also, I think, you know, Gauri, before I got started in those years, there was lots of new trends and new fads and it had gone away from the customer is king to the employee is king to you are king, so on and so forth. But I think both of us through our work have shown what we believe, which is that the customer is king and that's why we're in business, you know. We're very caring about our people, of course, but mostly we, we really think the customer is what keeps us in business and we do our best to give them the best experience that we can. And I think that accounts for our longevity and for your longevity as well. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And I want to, you know, I've actually this thing about, you know, restaurants having this life three years being that pivotal period. And if you, you know, cross that, then you're sort of, uh, um, you know, you, you possibly hit a home run. But uh, I want to kind of uh, pick up on something I've heard you say before, uh, you know, about for budding restauranters and entrepreneurs, you know, and the importance of having a business plan and having a concept that you really, you know, have researched and you understand before getting into the space. And if I'm really honest with you, when we launched the table, yes, we did some number crunching and we had all the Excel sheets because, you know, that's what you have to do. But I didn't really know what we were getting ourselves into till we actually started it. You know, we really had no idea how people were going to respond to the food, to the space, to the experience, and how that would translate into numbers. And of course, my one big learning from, you know, all these years is that you can, you can't possibly budget for it all. Like there's always these, you know, unexpected um, things that come up. And, um, you know, so, and, and for us, for the first three years, we actually really supported the business financially. You know, it, it was, um, uh, it was a struggle, but we, for some reason, really believed in it. And and then suddenly, you're absolutely right that after the, that three-year period, it suddenly just tipped over into this completely different business for us. Um, and I just want to kind of pick your brains a little bit about that, because I know, you know, I hope, I'm sure there are a lot of people who are going to be tuning into this, looking for inspiration. And how do you sort of balance that idea of going into this as prepared as possible, but the reality actually being that you can't, you can never really prepare for, um, you know, what this industry is going to throw at you and how people are going to respond to it. So Gauri, not, um, not blowing smoke, but uh, your story is actually remarkable. This is your first restaurant. And sweetie, when you open table, it was, um, it was astonishing for me to see that from a first-time restauranter. But much more than that, I've been astonished over these 10 years because, you know, getting nice design and, you know, you had a very good chef when you opened, so getting the product right. Okay, great. Well done, super. Astonishing. Great. But the fact that you've been able to keep the standards up and going over the 10 years despite your chef leaving, coming back, leaving, and, you know, he's a friend and I'm an admirer. But with whatever you had there, whatever resources you could manage, uh, you've, you've sustained the quality, perhaps even improved it. And that is actually astonishing. It's not common, Gauri. And while I think that it should be an inspiring story for so many that it's possible, but uh, I'd say for both me and for you, when, when we're trying to guide first-time entrepreneurs, yours is not uh, 
Exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Definitely, you're right, you've heard me, and I, and I think it's very important. Our industry is so exciting on the face of it, but as we both know, it's really a lot of hard work, and the more we plan, the better. And again, what I think a lot of first-time restauranters don't realize is that this is the industry with the highest failure rate in the world. Absolutely. For first-time restauranters. So don't start off, don't throw your family money in hard-earned money, livelihoods, etc., into your first restaurant. And I always encourage entrepreneurs to begin, you know, very carefully, maybe take a franchise from a proven successful company and brand or work with somebody like yourselves, ourselves, or there's so many good people out there today and uh, learn the business before putting your own money behind your own ideas and your own growth. I really, really believe that. Yeah. You're the shiny example of not that. <laughs> what not to do. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's the thing. It's just, you know, that's been our experience is that, uh, and, and I'll be honest with you, Adi, you know, I mean, we, we went on to do our second restaurant about eight years after the table with Misty and that didn't pan out, you know, the way table did. And we ended up closing it about 18 months uh, after we opened. But it's funny that you're saying all this because, um, the one big lesson for me from that was that we did focus too much on the numbers and we didn't go with our gut enough. And um, it's really, it's really interesting that um, I know, I know exactly what you're saying, but we still felt like we should have just gone with our gut instead yeah. of what we thought um, the city needed or what people wanted, or, you know, instead of what we just felt was required. And, and I think, you know, um, but I completely agree with you that it's actually about finding that balance and it's not about, you know, just going and, and throwing, you know, money away and, and um, without really understanding, you know, what you're getting yourself into. Um, so I do, I do agree with you on that. But, you know, you've also talked about how over these years, um, you know, you've had restaurants that you've, um, you've closed or brands that didn't work out as planned. Um we went through that with Misty and it was a really hard decision for us to know when to call it a day and, you know, how to move forward from that. I mean, it's a blow to your ego, to your, <laughs> as a restaurant, uh, um, you know, I kept wondering, I was like, was table a one hit wonder? Like what's going on here? Um, and, you know, of course there's, there's that part. And then there's also, you know, it was a blow to our, a bank account and, um, you know, there's a huge financial investment that goes into building restaurants, as you know, um, and we didn't really, we weren't really ready to give it up. And of course we pivoted to a, a new brand, which unfortunately, um, opened just a few days before lockdown. So it hasn't much, seen much of the light of day. Uh, but you know, how do you know when to take that call? I mean, of course, you know, the, 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 the idea of, of, um, seeing something's going wrong is when, you know, the numbers aren't, um, adding up and you're putting more into it than, than getting out of it. But how do you know when to call it a day. So, you know, before I address that, Gauri, I want to add on to what you were saying. See, to be honest, I think that for a restaurant to resonate with its customers, you know, to strike that chord, there has to be a strong vision and belief. And it's hard to get that from committee and, you know, too much calculations. You're absolutely right there. I myself from day one have pretty much done what I believed in, my, what my gut said, 
what I what I was excited about personally and and felt wasn't in the market. I've had very good investors and partners, advisors over the years, uh, and I increasingly do try to take the inputs about location, about product, about price points to steer me. But uh, I, I, you know, of course, in my case, Gori, I was lucky when I started. Uh, there was really no competition, and we were staffed for good products. So I had a really such a long, good run where I could build up my own understanding, build up goodwill and a following and credibility very easily. You know, the marketplace you've entered is much harder, and that's great for the consumer. There's so many more better products out there today. And I would say that it is true that many of them have been opened by first-time entrepreneurs believing in what their gut said, and they've created something which is, you know, which really speaks to us and and much like me. It's a question of how to balance your gut and, and the learnings and understandings and information, you know. And definitely you should never discount what you believe in, and you've done so well with it. I also believe that with Magazine Street Kitchen, you've been spot on. There was also a gamble all the way over in Baikala, especially at that time. It's been four or five years now? Yeah, it'll be five years this year. Five years. And um, and then just focusing on, on, on really good quality production and then working on it. You know, you've, you've really grown it in many different innovative ways over the years. But I think even with Magazine Street, it's been always about good quality in whatever you're doing. And which is what people follow you for and, and, that, and that audience is connected to you for. And I don't know, again, the numbers, but I hope and assume, of course, that Magazine Street Kitchen's also been uh, a good success. Successful, yeah. You know, with Misty, I have to say, I personally actually liked it every time I came and I enjoyed hanging around the bar. I didn't as much enjoy my dining experience, though I never really analyzed it. We also never talked about yeah. it. But I loved coming to the bar, having drinks in your bar snacks and enjoying that vibe. I thought that was great. And why it didn't work, to be honest, I'm not sure Mm -hmm. myself, you know. And hopefully it won't deter you from, you know, many more new products. No, I mean, I think, you know, just to sort of clarify there, I think that um, a couple of things with the space, you know, even the food, we actually, you know, we went into, you talked about quality and how we've sort of, that's been at the forefront of our philosophy throughout with whatever we've done. And I think if I'm completely honest, we went into it maybe 85% okay with it because we were, we were like, we, you know, we're, the rent has kicked in, let's get going, you know, let's, we're, we're almost there. We can, you know, let's open. And I think those are things that we've never done before, but we, you know, it was the first restaurant where we had investors. And so we felt this accountability that, um, to, to other people, which we've, you know, until now not really had, um, you know, other people on board. And so it was really about us taking a call entirely, um, you know, independently. And I think we just felt this, you know, it, there was no pressure from anyone, but I think it was self-imposed. And um, we did some things which were more financially driven than concept driven. And I think that was the biggest learning for me as to, you know, maybe we, 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 went, we opened too early before we were ready. And we weren't entirely convinced ourselves, but, you know, we felt this, this pressure. sense of pressure. Yeah, so, you mm-hmm. know, and, and completely self-imposed. I mean, the, our 
partners and investors are great and you know trust us entirely but uh, yeah i think it was that more than anything else and so we when we pivoted to may 13 which is a cantonese brand we really took our time to make sure that you know we were 100% convinced by everything that was going on the menu or you know in terms of the feel the look the layout of the space which we also changed a bit um i know you probably didn't make it out before it closed but that's i think that was it it was it was again it was that thing of not being 100% ready and convinced before doing it you know i i, I think i i think that was what uh, what you know happened and also a bit of a confusion in terms of you know focusing on the bar program versus and the food equally and that's one thing that you guys have always done perfectly is that you have got you know a great bar and food program um but it's a very hard balance to achieve you kind of tend to get known for one or the other is what i sort of you know is what i see but i think olive's probably the exception to that rule but i think those are some of the things that that went off and um yeah it was it was a amazing learning experience for us You know, that's the other thing, Gauri, that closing a restaurant down, especially one which you've developed as your baby, it's like doing a PhD in the restaurant business. Yeah. You know? I've also closed some of the, my, some of our own products that I personally developed, you know, and I had, I mean, every single decision comes right back to me. I loved them and I did my best, probably kept them going long, much longer than I should have. I mean, I kept believing that they would, you know, just turn the little corner. Yeah. I totally hear you and I hear your pain. It's been the same with me. And even today, to be honest, Gauri, I'm such a veteran in the industry. I still make mistakes, yeah. you know. And I've got a great team. I think by far the people involved with our group, right from Manu and Chetan to our CFO and to Ashwin, Bikram, so many more. They're just brilliant. We probably have the best team in the F&B industry in this country, I'd say, you know. And despite them and me working together, ideating, we, we have had to close places and have had failures, you know. Uh, so, you know, this industry is not, it's, there's no guarantee in it, but I guess we just get better and better and understand it better and better, and, you know, therefore more yeah. successful. Yeah. But just coming back to that question, like how do you, make that call you know like you said there's always that thing we did that with misty as well where we were just like okay let's try this one thing and we think it's going to like turn around and then you try this you're like one more month let's give it one more month and you keep <laughs> sort of you know you really do that till you're literally like you run dry but you know i don't know if that's the right approach and how how do you sort of finally take that that call you know do you give yourself a you say okay i'm going to give myself 3 months and you know if it turns around great otherwise you have to be disciplined about it so going in our in our journey uh with restaurants that one delivering over failing uh we've of course tried to get that product and you know wherever we saw the gaps just like you said what are companies also you know fortunate because we have so many good brands So in some cases we've tried to replace a failing brand with another one of our own brands if it fits into the space the market etc um in some cases you know for example the olive beach in bangalore which has been you know really popular and much loved in a baby of chef manoj as well uh, almost from the beginning that had uh, done i can't now remember i think by that time 12 or 12 years or something numbers were obviously going down uh, and so on. 
So Manu and me put together a very nice um, refreshment, moved the bar out, created a bit of a new energy and a new feel to it, spent a bit of money, but totally in line with what the product was. And, uh, and then when it reopened, gave it a, you know, our own push and spent some time and energy behind it. And uh, to be honest, the numbers almost doubled doubled, which was really refreshing to see. And it's been uh, at that sort of level for, I think it's been about four years now, maybe four and a half years, you know. Um, So just like you, yeah, we try so much in so many different directions to save. I know when I had my first Japanese restaurant, which I loved called I in Delhi, uh, we, we were doing well, but just not well enough. Uh, always at different levels because we spent a lot behind it as well. And uh, probably by the time I finally closed it, I felt I should have probably closed it a year before because obviously that year we'd lost that much more. But there's no formula for it, mm. you know. It's, uh, you, we have had places we've been able to turn around. So it's, you should never give up, of course. Yeah. But there's a limit to every place, every pocket, and you have to go with that. Yeah. So again, follow your gut, I guess. Um, and, and, and follow it honestly, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, sort of, I'm, I'm spending a little bit more time on, on the challenges of our business because we, we always celebrate the successes, but you know, we, we don't spend enough time maybe, um, uh, revisiting and, and learning from our, um, you know, from the more challenging times. And I think the last year has been, you know, I mean, my, in my sort of, limited period in this industry i think the last year has just been um uh, for everybody in in any industry i'm sure uh, exceptionally challenging and uh, it is you know it's in the past now and we're all sort of looking at you know the new year with renewed energy what do you sort of see have been like the biggest lessons for you from last year and are you sort of rethinking strategy in any way for the year ahead or do you see this more as a bump in the road and things coming back to um you know where they were before this so gori um because this happened you know i think we're all shaken up that could it happen again anytime in our journeys ahead of us and how do we prepare for it next time unfortunately there are no insurances for something like this which would have really we would have taken it. We've been exploring for years what's best we can take, as I'm sure so many of us have. Even now, there's no insurance uh, which would really help in the situation. The the other, um, uh, you know, sort of thing to take away, of course, everybody says keep a buffer. But, you know, all of us are anyway trying very hard to maximize profit in our businesses. So we're doing the best we can in any case. Third, third sort of uh, uh, sort of uh, life jacket, I guess, is diversification. So, if one is diversified, for example, as restaurateurs, we were also very online. The online business was a bit slow in the beginning of the pandemic because of the worries, but then that proved to be very strong subsequently. So, that's one sort of life jacket one can have ready. If you were in, say, the retail food business, there's a lot of potential in that uh, as well, of course. 
So diversifying will really help strengthen uh, for future circumstances like this for sure. But what what has been uh, the one positive that's happened through this for for us? You know, we're always working hard to trim trim fat, cut costs. But as the company has grown, obviously we've acquired flat, very hard to cut it. So this um, pandemic, uh, because, you know, it's been a disaster and disaster everywhere, as you said, uh, all our teams are also very supportive. And we've uh, been trimming the fat uh, everywhere. And it's been a learning for them and for me that just, uh, you know, how tightly we can get by. Yeah. And that gives us, you know, that bit more margin even in tough times, to be able to be profitable and on our feet. And frankly, the last quarter for our group has been very encouraging because so far, as far as I can see, the F&B business as an industry is still, still only at about 50% back. Our group in December, we were at 60% of our past sales because brand credibility, outdoor areas, etc. But even at that, we've had a couple of profitable months, uh, which are the same sales we would never have had in the past. So that's very encouraging for us and our investors and people around us, our ecosystem, for the future uh, as well. Yeah. And I think for our listeners, uh, who are all, all in the same boat, as I said, different levels, I think that's the one learning to say that use it as an opportunity. I'm not necessarily saying pivot, you know, that's a word everybody's using and many people are doing it with success and failure already. I'm seeing some lovely stores in Bombay that change from their core business into the food business, but they're struggling, you know, maybe it worked that first month or so, but against what they were doing, you know. Um, and there are things that we've all developed expertise and understanding at, and we shouldn't be quick to abandon that and go into something else. But I believe strengthening what we're doing in allied areas where we have some level of knowledge and expertise seems to me at least that's the path I'm following. I'm trying to resist the pressure to pivot as... No, uh, I mean, I completely agree with you, actually. Um, You know, we had a a strategy meeting and one of the first in a a long time with, um, you know, a few of our uh, stakeholders. So it was, you know... a regular guest. It was one of our vendors. It was um, our fellow restauranter. And uh, it was very interesting because uh, the one sort of big takeaway for me from that was that this is, this is, you know, don't do a reactionary, um, don't make reactionary decisions, you know, that just because something was in demand during lockdown, that it is the way forward, you know, for the long haul. And so that was very interesting, you know, because a lot of people felt like, oh, no one's going to restaurants. Are restaurants really the way forward? Should we be looking more at delivery? And everyone was like, of course, people are going to go back out to restaurants. You know, it's not something that um, is going to ever really die. It's just a matter of time. And, uh, you know, and everyone jumping into the cloud kitchen space. I mean, obviously now it's become a hugely sort of uh, saturated market and, uh, you know, so it, it remains to be seen sort of what happens in that space. But uh, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's that, that, you know, like sort of do, do um, I think the kind of things that you've just talked about are, are, are the sort of the big opportunities and um, 
lessons from this situation, but not necessarily with completely pivoting concepts either. So, you know, it was, it, it's, it's definitely been a, a, a sort of interesting period of learning for me in spite of um, the disastrous situation. Um, but, you know, AD sort of, there's been this, there's been, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll be honest, at the beginning of this year, I'm actually, I'm, I'm exhausted. I think that there's been, you know, this, this, this last year, we were kind of on this, like, we were like hamster on wheels and just, you know, doing whatever needed to be done to keep everything going, keep the team motivated. Um, we actually just launched a new brand right in the same weekend, the table turned 10. Um, and I think that's one thing that I see with people like us who are so actively involved in this business um, that sometimes it does, you know, the only time I really felt relaxed was not like on a vacation, but for the 10 days when lockdown happened and we literally had completely shut down um, and there was nothing for me to do vis-a-vis work (laughs) because we were like, okay, we don't know where this is going. We're just closed for now. And I literally had the best time ever. I know this sounds really bad, but I just had the the most, I had the best sleep. I had, you know, the best everything. And we were cooking. We were, you know, it was just because we didn't really know the extent of how bad this was going to get, I guess, at that point. And that was my true vacation, sitting right at home, um, but just with, with business clothes. So, you know, I mean, how how are you still so enthusiastic, <laughs> you know, whatever, almost 30 years into this business? Um, I mean, of course you love it, but really like what drives you and how do you kind of, you know, keep up your, your energy after all of this, these ups and downs? So, you know, for me, Gauri, exactly like you, we are so hands-on and there's been so much pressure on us. It's been a very tough year, of course, for everybody worldwide. Very tough for people who that you know involved with their businesses, plus financial pressure for our companies, and yeah. you know, in a way, being bigger, we have twenty-five restaurants to worry about, and therefore much larger losses uh, and larger responsibilities as well. At the same time, there was a lot of uh, pressure and tension for me because you know we could not look after our staff the way we not only have we always done, but we've always tried very hard to do something we pride ourselves on. We want to be one of the most HR forward companies in the country. And we were not able to do what we'd like to do through this last year. So that put a lot of pressure on me as well. And then, of course, for all of us, seeing pictures of migrants and people starving. And, you know, India's anyway not easy. Life's not easy. But it was just so much worse at this time. That was like a dagger to the heart for all of us. And I was really proud of the way that the NRAI group of all of us, we all rallied even through such tough times for ourselves and our own teams, but tried our best to support wherever we could nationally. And uh, I think that was a very critical effort we did. We must keep doing it to the best of our abilities. Uh, And that also, I think, was a huge, um, huge pressure, huge stress point, a huge worry point for us to see all that through that. But for me, I got to say what I've always sort of had a balance in my life, Gauri. I, try and give enough time, of course, to my wife and my family and have small children, you know. And what was lovely was through some of the dark moments of this period, I'd be on the call, have a tough call. Maybe I'd be shouting or I'd be very visibly upset. I can't imagine you shouting ever. (laughs) (laughs) It is rare, but it does happen. And, uh, And my kids would come up and hug me or jump on my lap and just 
they somehow realize and say, we love you, Dada. And, you know, that just takes all your stress away and helps you balance what's important, you know. And I think also, of course, both of us love what we do. And that's, um, it's very rare, you know, that I ever wake up not wanting to go to work or worrying about the restaurants or trying to create something fun and exciting there for our customers. So I really enjoy it. And I think that's what's helped me. Uh, you know, yeah. keep going so enthusiastically for so long. That's one thing that I always tell people, you know, who want to get into this industry from a completely different, um, you know, possibly not a hospitality background like we did, um, is that just make sure you really love the idea of what you're, you know, what you're going to be doing because uh, that's the one thing that's going to keep you going for a long time yes. you start seeing money in the yeah. bank. So, yeah. um, you know, you better sort of love it. Um, for, for You know, Gauri, I would stay on that also that through my 30 years, through your 10 years, we know that it's not, it's a difficult business. It's not easy. It's a lot of potential, a lot of the future, but it's been difficult. Also because there's so much unregulated restaurants and people in the same business cutting very large slices of the pie yeah. without paying their taxes, their dues, their fees, etc. Therefore, being able to offer at very low price points making it much harder for people like us as well. And I think in our country, companies like yours and mine, we try to, as far as we can, work with the laws and pay our taxes and support the economy on a wider scale, uh, do it the right way. It is harder in India, for sure. And I'm somewhat hopeful that the after effects of this pandemic will that will be that people will largely move away from fly-by-night operators where standards and hygiene would be a question mark. I agree. Which would be, you know, really, and come back to places which work hard and spend money and effort on doing their best for the customer on these points. And I'm therefore hopeful that the future for, you know, restauranters and like ourselves, and there's so many more, uh, could could possibly be that much better. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, cross fingers. Yeah, and that I mean, before. I always say, I mean, with the, the stock market just having hit 50,000 and I, I kind of draw an analogy with, uh, with our industry and just say that, you know, I think that pre-pandemic there was, it was the, the industry was exploding. And I think that one thing that's happened is a slight correction, if I can use that word, um, for our industry and just in terms of, you know, and I think that that's going to happen more and more going forward in terms of, you know, like you said, the, the, the sort of unorganized and people being um, more discerning and giving value to the things that, you know, the organized industry actually um, takes care of. And, and I think that that's definitely something that uh, I hope and I, 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 I think will happen. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, so much learning, Ad. This has been such a treat listening to you, and um, you know, I, I and it's so reassuring to hear you say some of the things that um, you know what we're thinking, and sometimes we're not sure if if uh, <laughs> this is the the, the right uh, um, approach. But uh, this has been so so sort of uh, enriching. Um, I'm going to come to a, a slightly lighter part of the show now, which is um, just a, a rapid fire. Just say the first few things that come to your mind. Um, uh, what are you most proud of? My kids. Oh, yeah. I, I, I vouch for that for sure. <laughs> um, what's your go-to comfort food? 
It's like asking you to pick one of your kids, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it comes from food wise, my everybody laughs because I eat a lot of popcorn. It's low fat, <laughs> but I need it. Does but if I could also answer saying like food I love in my in my places, probably the dish I eat the most is the salmon tartar at our Japanese restaurants. Yeah, it's yummy. It's light. It's healthy. It's delicious. Great. Um. You are known as one of the best hosts in the country. What's what's your secret? What's the one tip that's never failed you? Well, to be honest, my secret is that I'm actually somewhat shy. I'm not a gregarious person. But because I've been in this industry so long and I've known so many people through their ups and downs and we've shared so much, it's a pleasure to host them. And I think that's what extends to the, the things we do. Yeah. Um, what's one of the best books you've read in the recent past? I know you're a voracious reader, so... So I'm currently uh, reading Obama's... Um, Promised Land. I'm reading that. <laughs> That's a and I'm really, you know, I'm really enjoying it. And funnily enough, because it's, it is through this time of, you know, the whole Trump moving Election, on yeah. and Biden coming in. And a lot of the issues that that we've seen and we will see much more, the polarization... A lot of these also worries for us here as well. So it's very, uh, it's very on point for me and I'm really enjoying it. And finally, what would be your message to budding entrepreneurs, restauranters, um, you know, not necessarily from the restaurant industry, but entrepreneurs at large? So I'd say that you and I have covered actually a lot of messages in our chat today. Uh, I'd say good luck. Welcome to the industry. It's very exciting. But as Gori said, you gotta love it. Don't get in for the wrong reasons. Don't get in thinking I'm gonna make a lot of money. I'm sure there are easier ways to do that. If you love it, most welcome. Look forward to seeing you in this space. Great. You know, you've really been such an inspiration to me, and it's you know it's because of your honesty and grace, uh, you know, with which you've spoken about your experiences. I, I wish you all the very best uh, for the next twenty and longer, <laughs> and um, I just hope this year is really fantastic for you and your team, and of course your family. Thank you. Thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure always. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you so much, AD. That was really Cheers. fun. You know, it's so true. It's all about passion at the end of the day. Whether it's 10 years of restauranting or six months of podcasting, I'm still completely broke, but I've loved every single minute of it and I wouldn't have it any other way. And if you like this show, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IBM Podcast Network. You can listen to us on the IBM Podcast app or website or wherever else you get your podcasts from. You can also follow us on social media. We're at IBM Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to reach out to me, I'm at GDavidyal on Instagram and at Gory Details on Twitter.